our lesson uh, this evening comes from the book of Zephaniah, a book that I know that Chuck has taught a lot with OABS, so I know it's one that he's very familiar with. But Zephaniah is another one of the minor prophets, and what we find in Zephaniah is, yet again, more warnings to those who were in contradiction to God. More warnings to those who were not listening to uh, God's commands and those who were uh, falling after idols and uh, really just giving over to all types of wickedness. And so this evening I want to show we can learn, the important lessons we can learn from the warnings in Zephaniah, because we do find warnings and we do definitely find a coming judgment for uh, those individuals whom uh, this is addressed to as we'll get into this. We'll begin in Zephaniah chapter 1. Uh, looking at verse 1 and following, looking at the judgment against the wicked. The judgment against the wicked in verses 1 through 6. Primarily here looking at the judgment against uh, Judah in verses 1 through 6. Beginning in verse 1, here the Bible says, The word of the Lord, which came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushah, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. Now, there are meanings behind each of these names. Zephaniah means whom the Lord hid. Gedaliah means whom the Lord made great. Emariah means whom the Lord promised. And Hezekiah means the Lord strengthened. And I love reading about those meanings of those names. If you heard me mention many times before, but those no doubt great, uh, great names there. Uh, maybe not easy to pronounce, but uh, great meanings behind them. Again, Zephaniah meaning the Lord hid. Gedaliah means whom the Lord made great. Emariah means whom the Lord promised. And Hezekiah means whom the Lord strengthened. Now we find here that Judah was deep in idolatry and had a difficult time with the changes or the reform of Josiah. Josiah was, he's many times recognized as being a reformer, those who was trying to bring them back to God. He did away with a lot of idolatry and those types of things. But those during this time period, uh, there still be some, seem to be some who remained that uh, did not give in or, or follow after, since they give in, did not follow after the, the reforms of, of Josiah, but instead remained uh, following after idolatry. No doubt that was spurred on by the wicked. We want to next, want to notice next what is to be expected as we look at the judgment and as we look at what's to come upon these individuals in verses uh, two and three. We find here a prelude to the judgment on uh, the whole world, as we know that judgment is coming upon the whole world in the last day. But we also know here it's talking primarily to Judah. He says, "I will utterly consume everything from the face of the land," says the Lord. "I will consume man and beast. I will consume the birds of the heavens." the fish of the sea, and their stumbling blocks along, along with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the land, says the Lord. Now we know it's Zephaniah who is speaking, but the I will there is a reference to his Christ, not Christ, but God, brother, who is speaking through Zephaniah, and he's saying that he will do these things. He says there in verse 2 that he will utterly consume everything from the face of the land. And to make sure we understand he begins in verse 3 to talk about some of those things he's going to consume. He says he will consume man, that is the wicked men of the earth, will be punished. The beasts 
He will consume the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea. Well, he's consuming man. He can see he would then consume anything that man may be trying to eat. And then he also mentions there in verse three, the stumbling blocks along with the wicked. The stumbling blocks most fittingly seem to apply to idolatry and those idol idols which the wicked would put in place. Those wicked, those wicked things which, the, which they would further push, which would include idolatry and possibly other things as well. A stumbling block is just anything that gets between you and following God as you should. And so these stumbling blocks would be destroyed, uh, most likely the idols there, with the wicked. He says, I will cut off man from the face of the land there in verse 3. So Judah, or excuse me, judgment on Judah and Jerusalem, uh, or on Judah here is pronounced. And we next find in verses 4 through 6, judgment upon Judah and Jerusalem for, as we're going to see here, for idolatry. And what we have noticed as we've gone through the minor prophets is that people have been punished for similar things, haven't they? We've seen idolatry, in, at least to my knowledge, through, through most, if not all, of the, of the minor prophets. We definitely see it mentioned in the major prophets as well. But it's a theme, a theme that we see really throughout all the Old Testament of the problem of falling after idols. And in the New Testament, we see glimpses of that as well, of individuals falling after idols. And so when people say today that, you know, the Bible is outdated, it's really not. Because mankind still does some of the same things we've always done. We go after things other than God. And an idol being anything that gets in our way between us and God. Look at verse 4 here. We find judgment upon Judah and Israel. Looking at verse 4, he says, I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off every trace of Baal from this place. The names of the adulterous priests with the pagan priests. You think about that phrase, I will cut off every trace of Baal from this place. It means there'll be nothing left that you could think, say that was something of Baal because the idea there is going to be completely wiped out, destroyed because God was going to bring a nation against them because he did that many times in the Old Testament and it's very possible he still does that today. He's going to wipe out the remnants of Baal from this place that is from Jerusalem and Judah. Those who worship Baal even after the reforms of Josiah, that would include them as well. He will utterly destroy the name or, or the beings of the uh, Look at verse 5 here. I'm going to hear myself. Verse 5. Um, no, I'm not. He will cut off the, uh, the remnants of these evil priests, as we're going to see here in a minute, these pagan priests. The King James uses the idea of these the Cherim's uh, priests. That is the idea we find here is that the priests were worshiping with idols. The idolatrous priests means they included idols in their worship, which shows that the, the priests were also perverted in their ways of worship. The idolatrous priest with the pagan priest. We find that idolatry had been brought into worship with those who were once priests of God. We find in verse 5 here, those who worship the host of heaven on the housetops, those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, but also swear them by Milcom there in verse 5. So the prophet continues to list those that the Lord will cut off. This list includes... The people who come, who bow down upon the rooftops and worship the host of heaven, that'd be the stars, the, the different uh, heavenly bodies we talk about sometimes, basically just worshiping the stars and the moon and the sun and no doubt many things such as that. And those being their idols, their false gods. 
And uh, though they swear by the Lord, but that is not their practice here, we find they are really swearing by uh, Malcolm, or sometimes being translated Milcom here in the New King James, or even Moloch, uh, the Ammonite the, the Ammonite national idol. And so they they pray to the Lord, or they they, they swear oaths by the Lord, but they're really worshiping the hosts of heaven and not the creator of, the, of all those things of, of heaven. Right? We're talking about the, the stars and the moon and those of that those things of that nature. And we find in verse six. That as a result of all this, not shockingly, that the Lord is not pleased. Those who have turned their turned back upon the Lord, and have not sought the Lord, nor inquired of him. He gives their three categories of people again in verse five. Those who turn back from following the Lord, those who have not sought the Lord, and those who have not inquired of him. Those who have not inquired of him would also, we can be a reference to those who are just indifferent, we say sometimes, those who just didn't uh, care one way or the other. No doubt that too is a problem. And they would not inquire of God. So we have there those three categories. We look next at verse 7 and following the judgment on sinners is being pronounced uh, on those of, of every standing, of every position. As you look at verse 7 uh, through 13, we begin verses 7 and 8, looking on uh, the judgment coming upon princes. It says here, Be silent in the presence of the Lord of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has invited his guests. And it shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with foreign apparel. Now, we find here in verse 7, these people had time to get right with the Lord, but they had not. They would not be quiet before the Lord in order to hear what God had to say. We find that phrase here, for the Lord is at hand, the Lord has prepared this for them. But we find in verse 7 and 8, they were not going to be quiet. He says, be silent in the presence of the Lord, but they weren't going to do that. They weren't wanting to hear anything the Lord had to say. Why he was he wanting them to be silent to listen? Because the day of the Lord was coming upon them, which is a reference to judgment. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has invited his guests. Who was going to be the ones who were going to be punished? The wicked. Those wicked of Judah and those wicked of Jerusalem. He says in verse 8, It shall be in that day, shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice, that I will punish the princes and the king's children. He's going to punish those of every degree there in verses 8, 7, and 8. Uh, these, these would be anyone who had the, had the rule or who were in, in any positions of power. We find in verse 8, and all such as are clothed with foreign apparel, some perhaps acting as if they were kings from foreign nations, or just could be a reference to those who were in positions of power, in positions of, of any positions of power. God was going to punish them, these princes, those who were in uh, leadership positions. And so judgment's coming upon them. Then we find in verse 9 how it's coming upon thieves or idolaters. Looking in verse 9 here, the Bible says, In the same day, notice that, in the same day, it means it's punishment upon punishment upon punishment that's coming upon them. He says, I will punish all those who leap over the threshold, who fill their master's house with violence and deceit. When we think about this leaping over the threshold, the idea 
is that these individuals running quickly. Think about a thief. They don't take their time getting to a house or getting into a house. They, do, they move very quickly. Well, these individuals are moving very quickly into the house. They're doing evil, rushing to do evil. Uh, some also reference this to mean the worshipers of idols. Others understand this to refer to their haughtiness and pride. Uh, so others understand this to refer to the practice of the Arabs who rode horses, horses in the houses of people for the purpose of stealing and plunder. But that is all the same. They filled their master's houses with violence and deceit. Evil was being done, whether it be on horses or running into someone's house to, to break in and take their things. Well, these thieves, these idolaters, these wicked were going to be punished as well. We look next at verses 10 and 11. <clears throat> Uh, we find judgment comes upon the, the traders or those who are selling merchandise. Looking at verse 10, the Bible says, And there shall be on that day, says the Lord, the sound of a mournful cry from the fish gate, and wailing from the second quarter, and a loud crashing from the hills. Uh, the fish gate was on the eastern side of the city, and it's where they would gather to no doubt sell things, because like most places, you know, when you get off, an on, get off a... Uh, the, the highway, or get off the interstate on a on a ramp. Where's the best place to put a gas station? As close as you can to that, right? Well, that's the idea there. The east gate. They were selling merchandise next to that gate. That's where they all were together. Well, what's happening? Well, all of them are going to find punishment coming from God. A loud crashing from the hills uh, indicates that they're going to be thrown down. A crashing from the hills is sound made uh, sometimes by the attackers. <clears throat> They're being referenced in verse 10. In verse 11, he says, Well, you inhabitants of Makdash, uh, where all the merchant people are cut down and all those who handle money are cut off. If you want to really hurt someone or hurt especially the wicked, what do you aim for? You aim for their pocketbook, right? You want to hurt those who are doing evil things? You do what? You stop doing business with them. And hopefully others will do the same. What happens? Well, it hurts them uh, because people sometimes don't begin to rethink things until their pocketbook begins to be affected. And no doubt these individuals were going to have that happen to them as well. We find next in verses 12 and 13 that judgment is coming upon those who are indifferent and those who are wealthy. Uh, he says here in verse 12, and it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps. And punish the men who are settled in complacency, who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. And what they're saying there in verse 12, the Lord's not going to do anything. That's a dangerous thing to say, isn't it? The Lord's not going to do anything. The Lord's not going to punish the wicked. He's not going to help uh, others. He's not going to do good. He's not going to do evil. He's just not going to do anything. And we find there as a New King James uses the word, who are settled in complacency. They're comfortable. The Lord's not going to do anything about this. Well, they're going to be shown to be wrong as well. <clears throat> Verse 13 says, Therefore their goods shall become booty, and their houses a desolation. They shall build houses, but not inhabit them. Inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, but not drink their, their wine. Why would they have their houses built and the vineyards planted, but not use them? Because destruction would come before they could. Wrath would come upon them before they could ever inhabit their houses, before they could ever enjoy the fruit of their wicked labors. Because they were enjoying these things because 
of the, of the evil they have done. They may be able to accomplish some of these things by, by violence, by abuse. But you find here in verse 13, they'll never, be, they'll never be in their houses they build. They'll never enjoy the vineyards which they planted because judgment will come upon them first. He will punish them utterly there in verse 12 and 13. They will enjoy no, no fruits of their wicked labor. Next, we want to notice here, as we look at verse 14, we find the imminent and terrible nature of, of the judgment in verses 14 uh, through 18. <laughs> as we look at verse 14, The Bible says, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. So realizing what is happening, the mighty men of war will cry bitterly. The idea is that the crying is shouting of these people, but put to no avail. They have been told what was going to happen. And when it does happen, and the people realize what's going, going on, they will weep bitterly there in verse 14. But there's no hope now because they had their chance to come back, right? It's like on the day of judgment, those who live in sin, and then the trumpet sounds and send before Christ, and they say, well, well now what will change? Well, look at verse 14. He says they're going to weep bitterly because the time for change is come and gone. The great day of the Lord, he says there in verse 14, is near. It, it is near and hastens uh, quickly. The noise, of the noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. It's bitter because they realize they're in the wrong, and now it's too late to do anything about it. This being judged upon the wicked there in Judah. Looking next in verse 15, we find a dark day in verses 15 through 17. He says, The day, the day is a day of wrath and a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Whenever there is war and there's battles, if you've seen very many war movies or if you've been unfortunate enough to see, see war and see battle, you know that there's darkness, there's gloominess, that there's a lot of devastation, there's a lot of smoke, there's a lot of unfortunate smells, unfortunate sights, and that's what's being described here in verse 15. This day of... <clears throat> This day of wrath is God punishing these people because of their sins from which they would not turn or repent. The day of trouble and distress, people experience trouble and distress and anguish that they could, could hardly even imagine because of their refusal to repent. A day of devastation and desolation <clears throat> will be a, a horrible sight when the city is leveled, including the temple and most everything destroyed. A day of darkness and gloominess. There's nothing bright and happy about losing everything and being carried off into slavery to a foreign land because that's what's going to happen. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Most of us may catch a glimpse of what, is, what this means because we have been in, day, day, in days of clouds and darkness, but they were nothing compared to what would happen on this day. Judgment was coming. It would be something that it would no doubt strike fear in their hearts. Verse 16 says, a day, of, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. It didn't really matter how much resistance there was. It didn't, really matter, it didn't really matter how many warriors posted in the high towers to ward off the enemy. 
because the enemy that day was the army that the Lord used to bring against them. It would not be, there would be nothing they could do about it. The fortified cities, the high towers could do nothing to stop it. Verse 17. <clears throat> Verse 17 says here, I will bring distress upon men, and they shall walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like refuse. Not a pretty nice picture there. The Lord will bring distress, including suffering, misery, and agony upon them. It was such a severe distress that men will walk around like blind men. Sometimes you've seen very many war movies, and almost all of them include at some point, people who are in such pain and agony, they're walking around, they really don't know what's going on because they're in shock. Well, that's the idea we find here. They're in shock because of the pain they're feeling. They're walking around, not really sure what's going on and what to do. And he says there in verse 17, it's going to happen to them because they have sinned against the Lord. It wasn't for no reason at all. It's because they were against God. He says their blood will be poured out like dust. There will be no mercy. The time of mercy had passed because they did not repent. After all, I remember some of these individuals were those who said the Lord will not do good. The Lord will not do evil. He'll do nothing. Well, now they're finding out quite differently. Looking at verse 18. We find there will be no deliverance <clears throat> because they have passed the time of deliverance. Neither, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. For he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. We find in the beginning of verse 18, it says basically that mankind can do nothing to stop God's wrath. There's nothing physically we can do. There's no weapon that money can buy, no army that we can purchase that can protect us from God. There's nothing that can deliver us. He says, in the day of the Lord's wrath, the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. His jealousy is because he wanted them to follow him and said they were following after idols. So jealousy is that he wanted them to follow him alone, right? The Bible tells us that God, our God is a jealous God in the sense he wants us to follow him alone. A righteous jealousy, if you want to look at it that way. He says, for he'll make a speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. A speedy riddance of the wicked. A speedy riddance of idolaters. A speedy riddance of those who'd say he won't do anything. God would punish them. We compare this to the judgments of the final day. Peter tells us that on the final day, the earth will be consumed and all the elements will be destroyed, their earth will not remain any longer. And that we will stand before Christ, stand before the judgment seat of Christ, as the psalmist says there in Ecclesiastes, we'll be judged according to all the things we have done, whether good or evil. And know that we too have a chance to make ourselves right with God before it is far too late. Another lesson for us today is that judgment comes to the wicked of every size. It did not matter in Zephaniah's time, nor does it matter today, what position we may hold, how much money we may have, how nice a home we may have, whatever it may be. It doesn't matter how many friends we have, how popular we may be, even in the brotherhood or in the world. God will bring judgment upon each and every one of us. The Bible tells us there just in Zephaniah 1, he went after princes, didn't he? He went after traders, those who probably had some money because they were selling things. 
Those who were idolaters, those priests who were religious, he went after them too. Doesn't tell you that he doesn't care who it is, if they're against God, he's coming after you. That's definitely what we find in Zephaniah. God shows no partiality for the wealthy, the poor, or social status of any sinner. He will make sure that those who are against him will be punished no matter what position they hold in life. God rewards and punishes equally. He rewards and punishes equally. Those who are wealthy and faithful receive the same reward. Those who are, those who are poor and faithful receive the same reward. Those who hold a, hold a certain, hopefully not sinful, social status in society, but are faithful to God, they'll receive the same reward. Because what matters is faithfulness or unfaithfulness, not our status, status in this world today. God rewards and punishes equally. And secondly, God brings wrath and deliverance from man. God brings wrath and deliverance from man is not possible. When God determines to punish the wicked, there's nothing that man can do about it. Sure, we pray for individuals before time is too late. We encourage individuals to make themselves right with God. But when they refuse, punishment will be certain. Rescue of man belongs to God with the condition of obedience, which includes repentance. We want to have God rescue us from the coming wrath. We have to be those who repent. We go back to uh, Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, Neither silver nor gold shall be able to deliver, you, deliver them in that day of the Lord's wrath. So the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. Where do we find rescue? Before God pours out his wrath. Before God begins his punishment. Before the day of judgment. We must repent. We must make ourselves right with God before time is, is time has passed. We think about Zephaniah chapter 1. There's a lot of similarities that we find in other chapters of the Minor Prophets. But we also find the same problem. We also find the same thing happens yet again, right? Sometimes if we're not careful. We think, well, the Lord's not going to punish us because... He's a loving God. He wants to punish, punish those who are trying uh, to remain faithful but just refuse to do certain things. But, but yet we find in Zephaniah that's not the case. You think about that phrase we saw earlier where Zephaniah mentions the idolatrous priest, which means they were not loyal to God. They were priests at one time, but they were no longer loyal to God. They too will be punished. Mankind will face judgment on the last day. The Bible tells us numerous times that that last day will, will, will happen, the trumpet will sound in the twinkling of an eye, and what's going to happen, the earth will be destroyed, and we'll be sitting before Christ to be judged on all the things we have done, whether good or evil. There will be no escape, so therefore man must, re, must prepare now to be ready on the great day that is coming. Those in Zephaniah's time had time to repent if they would make themselves right. We find in chapter 2, as we'll look at next time, they were called to repent. But as we know, when people fail to repent, God is not going to fail to bring his wrath upon them. As we close this evening, we think about Zephaniah, 
You think about that great day of the Lord, it was coming against them. It was their judgment day. The army was coming, captivity was coming, if they would not repent. We find there in verse 15, he says, a day, that day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thickness and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. You think about those phrases there in verse 15, a day of trouble, a day of devastation and darkness, thick darkness. He makes sure we understand that there in verse 15. We know for the Christian of the day of judgment, it doesn't have to be a day of darkness. It doesn't have to be a day that we fear. If we are faithful to God, it is a day that we can actually look forward to. Because for the faithful Christian, the day of judgment means we finally get to go to heaven now. But those in Zephaniah's time who were on the other end of the spectrum, that would not be an option for them. They would not repent. So let's make sure we are doing what is right inside of God, that we make ourselves right with him. And if we have sin in our life, we repent of it. This evening, we can help you or encourage you in any way. You can come forward now. That's good that we stand and sing this song that's been selected.